Hello everyone, you're listening to the Wedding Spain podcast. Thank you for joining me. My name's Paul. Many of you know me already. If you're a regular listener, thank you for tuning in. And uh, to anyone who's new around here, a very special warm welcome and bienvenidos to you too. I'm really excited about this episode because we're going to be talking about one of my favourite things in Spain and that is the Spanish fortified aromatised wine which contains botanicals, roots, barks, flowers, seeds, herbs, spices, who knows what else. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, vermouth or in Spanish as they say, vermouth. Uh, it is one of my favourite tipples to enjoy in Spain, and it is absolutely ubiquitous. You will see it all over Spain, any town or city, and just about any bar you walk into will have a vermouth tap. And to help me explore this fantastic world of vermouth in Spain, I'm incredibly lucky to be joined by Paula Mobile. Paula is the lifestyle editor at Condé Nast Traveller, but she's also the co-founder of La Bemuteria Pop-Up here in Madrid. This is a mobile bar which hosts aperitivo events all around Madrid that helps showcase and support vermouth brands in the process. She co-founded La Bebuteria pop-up a few years ago with her husband Roberto Castan and coming up in the episode really a sort of vermouth 101 a bit of everything we look at the history compare vermouth uh, here in Spain with other varieties in Italy and France we look at all of the different uh, styles available red and white we look at how the vermouth scene has uh, been making a comeback in recent years going through something of a renaissance uh, here in Spain. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the scene and how it's changed and what the future is for Vermouth as well. Paula will also be sharing some of her favourite places to sip a Vermouth here in Madrid and she'll also be recommending some different ways to try Vermouth as well. People add gin as well is one example, right? Yes, if you spike it with a little bit of gin. That would be called a yayo in Madrid. Yayo refers to uh, grandpa, so it's sort of like an old school type of, of drink. It's very strong, so drinking that at noon, it can get you lots of places. <laughs> and stay tuned to the end of the show uh, to hear Paula telling us all about La Bemuteria pop-up that she runs with her husband. Just a quick note before we get into the interview with Paula Mobile, I would like to ask you guys, the listeners, a small favour. If you have time, please leave a little review of When in Spain on the podcast platform where you listen. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button, um, particularly on Apple, as it uh, does something with their algorithms, apparently, and helps push uh, the podcast up the charts. So if you do listen regularly, hit the subscribe button. Uh, that way you get the podcast downloaded 
downloaded automatically, but it also helps give the podcast more visibility. The other thing you could do is come and follow When in Spain on Instagram if you'd like to see photos that I take in Madrid and across Spain. And I also share photos which relate to the various podcast episodes. And I post stories and give people heads up about uh, upcoming episodes and that kind of thing as well. Please go and find uh, the When in Spain Instagram account, which is When in Spain 1. When in Spain 1 on Instagram. Go and give us a follow there. We also have a When in Spain Facebook group. Head across to Facebook, search When in Spain, come and join up and be a member of our friendly and active group of around 3,000 members now, I think. It's a place for you guys to share content, photos, ask any questions to uh, the rest of the group as well. And finally, one other thing which you could do, which is a huge help, is go and support When in Spain on the crowdfunding website, Patreon. Uh, if you'd like to sign up to become a patron and support the podcast uh, and the work that I do in putting it together, um, well, I would be incredibly grateful. And it's super easy to do. You can support When in Spain from as little as just $1 per month. And to do so, just head across to patreon.com forward slash when in spain it's patreon.com forward slash when in spain p-a-t-r-e-o-n and you could go and do that now when you're listening um if you want of course but if you can't uh, sign up to become a patron please do uh leave us a review or come and follow us on the various social media accounts anyway enough self-promotion as i always say you may notice a bit of background noise as i record this episode that's because um, i've got the balcony doors open it's a lovely warm spring day today and i just thought well what the hell um you know i don't record this in a studio there's no point in pretending that i record this in a studio so if you hear some dogs barking or people shouting or music playing it is a fright day evening uh, so people getting a bit lively in their apartments in lockdown madrid but with their balcony windows wide open in case you were wondering anyway let's get into the interview with paula mobile chin chin thanks so much for taking the time to join when in spain podcast today thank you for thinking of us actually for me <laughs> vermouth in the uk it's still not something that you see being drunk at all really but here in Spain it's massively popular and it's become more and more popular during the last few years uh, where did the popularity begin um, because it was also a an aperitif that's common in Italy and France as well and it can be traced back to in Spain to the Catalonian town of Reus where apparently Italians introduced it Yes, it was in the 19th century actually removed more than a spirit it would be a fortified white wine it would be with herbs and spices, and you would get the red color from the caramel that's added to it. And it was actually what you're saying. In the 19th century, Martini and Rossi, which is Martini as we know it now, was the first one to come to Spain. And it was adapted for, um, by the bourgeois society, the high class, uh, from Madrid and Barcelona. So it was actually kind of like cool and trendy to drink it at that time. That was the Italian vermouth that came here. And the first vermouth that was produced in Spain, it was in 1860 in Barcelona, actually, which was Perucci, which actually still exists. And then the vermouths in Reus started to be produced, sort of like uh, the one we know, Isaguirre. It was actually one of the first ones that was created there. And at the end of the century, they started doing it in the area of Jerez. In Jerez as well, which is more famous really for its uh, sherry. Exactly. Which is also, I think, 
very popular in the UK, right? Something your grandparents would drink. Yes, it is. That's true, actually. But I have to say, again, sherry in the UK is something we they the the, the common variety there is the really sweet sickly sherry, uh, the cream sherry as they call it. Dry sherry or like fino uh, is not really still no not very common, I don't think. In terms of its name, then Bermud, it, it comes from German. It does. It comes from the word. Wermut, I don't know how it's pronounced in German, you know, with W-E-R-M-U-T, which would be wormwood in English. We started referring to vermouths as this because uh, Carpano, Benedetto Carpano, which is also another brand of vermouth, started adopting this term in Torino in 1786. There was also a tradition of these types of drinks, sort of with a medicinal purpose, and we can trace it even back to 3,000 years before Christ. Vermouth has always had um, a link that it's something that's good for your stomach. Not only would help you with maybe some pains, but also opening up your appetite, which is why we drink it at the time of the aperitif. To stimulate your appetite. (laughs) And do no harm to your stomach. How does Spanish vermouth compare with its counterparts in France and Italy? I mean, if you were to describe your typical Spanish vermouth that you get in your everyday bar, how would you describe its characteristics? Well, the vermouth we drink in Spain are more thought of for drinking by itself, maybe with some siphon, which is soda, or with ice. In uh, Italy and France, what they do is usually they mix it with something in order to make it a cocktail. They will be a little bit more bitter sometimes, which is something, for example, I like and enjoy, but it's not something that we're used to here in Spain. So in Spain, we try to do it a little bit more adapted to the Spanish palate, let's say. And so it's typically sweeter in Spain and red and sweet. (laughs) We also produce it here in, in, you see the brands, they always have the red one and the white one, but white, white one is usually not very common to drink. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it in some places, but I'm thinking if, you know, the everyday bar that you walk into, you know, you have the taps on the bar, you have like, you know, your beer, uh, maybe a clara, maybe um, tinto de verano, and you have your tap with bermud, and it's, uh, yeah, sweet and red. Correctly. And less common in Madrid, certainly, to see it served from bottles, right, in your kind of everyday bars. Yeah, and that's something that started to change because before we used to go to the bar and if it wasn't vermouth from tap, we would usually get the vermouth from the bottle and that would usually be martini. And the martini is a little bit stronger than the ones we usually like here in Spain. So people usually didn't like the one from the bottle. But in reality, the ones we drink from tap are also the same ones we drink from the bottle. It's just a different brand. Now it's more and more common to people drink it from the bottle because it's actually what we're drinking. It's not martini anymore. Because in some bars you go in and you do see the Grifo, the uh, Bermute Grifo on tap, but you also see a selection of bottles and sometimes you will see uh, a martini brand, uh, which some people feel a bit funny about in Spain. It's like, why would you drink martini? Why don't you try a Spanish Bermude? Exactly. Before we used to think that if it wasn't tap, it was like the house recipe. They would tell you, oh, it's our secret recipe. And you would think that we're someone in the back of the bar doing the vermouth with the herbs and the spices. And it's actually not like that. It's just that someone makes it for them in Reus usually, or it's just the common brand, maybe like uh, a Sekini, which is from Madrid also, which they sell in the bottle, but they come in boxes so they can sell it in on tap. 
which so it's just a matter of tradition, let's say. You're listening to When in Spain. I'm chatting to Paula Mobil, lifestyle editor of Condé Nast Traveller and founder of Madrid's La Bermuteria pop-up. Stay tuned to hear Paula's favourite places to sip vermouth, the different varieties you can find and how to drink it. Plus, hear all about La Bermuteria pop-up. Now, I mean, I think it's safe to say that we are both vermouth fans. Can we share some different ways to to drink it? Obviously, you've mentioned that uh, commonly served over ice, uh, sometimes with a slice of orange or lemon and maybe some olives. But what other ways are there to enjoy vermouth? People add gin as well is one example, right? Yes. If you spike it with a little bit of gin, that would be called a yayo in Madrid. Yayo refers to uh, grandpa. So it's sort of like an old school type of, of drink. It's very strong. So drinking that at noon, it can get you lots of places. <laughs> Perilously easy to drink. <laughs> and I remember when I first came to Madrid, it was like uh, exciting to go drink the yayas because you would know that after the third one, you would be very, very drunk. And this with 18 years old. Dangerous, dangerous. Yeah, because I mean, I suppose your average bermuth is what, around 15% volume alcohol? Sort of, yeah. And, uh, for example, if you drink it in um, the Basque country, it's very popular, the, Ma- the Marianito, which is sort of like a Negroni. The Negroni is gin, Campari, and vermouth, but equal parts. And the Marianito adds a little bit more protagonism to the, to the vermouth. Another one that we really like, my husband and I, uh, the Vermuteria, is the Negronis Bagliato. And that would be Prosecco, red vermouth, and Campari. I haven't tried that. That sounds amazing. It's good. The bubbles make it a little bit more more fun and refreshing. And I wanted to talk a bit more about um, the kind of uh, renaissance that we could say that Bermud is, is having or been having for the last few years. In Spain, apparently, it had been in decline since the 1970s, but it's definitely made a comeback recently, right? Yes, it has. It's actually, the vermouth works a lot with the time of the aperitif at noon, okay? So it's very much related to the decline of nightclubs and nightlife. In the 70s, exactly, people started to go out more. Eventually, in the 80s, La Movida Madrileña. So everyone was hangover on the weekends, let's just say that. There was no time for vermouth, and it was something your grandfathers used to drink when they took you after church, to the bar, you were bored in a stool, so it was it was not fun. It was not. Uh, it just reminded you of your grandparents, and it wasn't modern, let's say. So the new generation started to lose that tradition, and when people started to get a little bit older, start having kids, they stopped going out at night, started to enjoy more of the joys of the day and the sun, and that's when it hits that vermouth works very well with that. Are we seeing an increase in its production, a new generation of producers uh, coming up with, you know, more innovative ideas, maybe moving away from that old school sweet red vermouth that we know and kind of creating more flavor profiles? Yeah, what happened was since the economic crisis of 2008, a lot of people started to get a little bit more creative and they started looking back to old traditions and thinking of ways to making them come back, as we were talking about, for 
the younger generations. So for example, if you see Casa Mariol in Barcelona, Miguel Angel Baquer was the creator, Morrofi also in Barcelona, there are two brands that their owners were very creative. Morrofi, for example, it's a couple and he is a graphic designer. So crafty bottles, very attractive. You just see that vermouths and you just want to have them. You don't even care how they taste like. You just want to have that bottle. And when you finish it, you want to have it, fill it with water and keep it in your fridge, you know? Ah, uh, yes. These are the glass bottles with the little plastic cork that is connected with a little bit of metal. And they have these beautiful, colorful designs printed onto the glass. Correctly. So what they did is, and they also opened bars and olive skewers. They gave them a little twist and make them more interesting both for locals and for tourists. You started to see everything with new light and eventually everyone started to get in the car of the success of Vermouth. I'm certainly glad that it has made a comeback and that people are playing with Vermouth more and uh, developing new styles and flavours and, uh, well, attracting a new audience, I guess, in a way. Speaking of that, anyone visiting Spain maybe for the first time and wants to try Vermouth, I mean, I personally would say just go into your, uh, your average bar and just order one from the tap. But also um, there are other styles as well and there are lots of brands. What would your personal recommendations be for someone who's uh, intrigued and wants to try Vermouth and get into it a bit? So, for example, if we go to the ones from the Follow the Reus tradition, which if they come to Spain and they want to go to Reus, there's a Vermouth museum there. It's amazing. It's great. Very much interesting. Basically, all of the Vermouths from Catalonia take from that tradition as well as the ones that made in Madrid, such as Sequini and Sarro, and practically all of the ones made in Spain. But you also have the ones in Jerez, which are made with uh, sherry as the base wine, such as Gustau. Very interesting. You can also find it in the States a lot. Uh, cocktail bars have it. There's also very interesting vermouths like Petroni. It's from Galicia, and it's made with Albariño grapes which is something very uncommon and very original. Or for mm-hmm. example, you have Golfo, which is made with red wine as base also. It's actually very interesting also uh, to see their packaging. Do you have any particular favorite and, and which style would you recommend people try? I guess all of them, right? And <laughs> see which one they prefer. Um, but there's quite a lot of variation in, in the flavors and the styles. Yeah, for example, red ones and white ones are both sweet. Uh, The red ones, you would add a slice of orange. The white ones, you will add a slice of uh, lemon, usually. Mm. And you also have the dry ones, which are always white. But these ones are usually uh, used only for cocktails. But I would say, if you come to Spain, what you have to drink is red vermouth. Once you've tried red vermouth, you've done your your job. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think for me... Bermud, it's such a, an integral part of Spanish life, really. It's, it's very, very Spanish. It's kind of the drink which is acceptable to drink before midday. As you were saying, people used to have it before going to church or before going to, to mass. And we have this expression, la hora del Bermud, the vermouth hour. I mean, I live near El Rastro in, in Madrid. And, you know, this is a super common thing for people to do after they've done a round of the Rastro market to go and enjoy Bermud on a Sunday afternoon. Yes, it's very common. It's a Saturday, Sunday, 
at 12, it's uh, socially approved to do it. 11.30, mm, <laughs> not frowned upon, but it's starting a little bit early, but you can do it. But usually, yes, from 12 to 3 in the afternoon, because usually after 3, you would go somewhere back home or go to a restaurant and have uh, your lunch. So, and then you, and at that moment, you would start drinking either beer or, or wine. Move on to something else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's a weekend afternoon drink, sort of pre-lunch, pre-lunch drink. Correctly. Even if you could also drink vermouth as a pre-dinner drink. It's not as common as to go out with your friends and, and drink vermouth, but you can definitely use it because it's, it's, it's an aperitif and it would open up your appetite for the meal. Let's talk about places. Can you let us into a little secret? Um, what is your favorite type of Beermouth to drink and where is your favorite place to drink it? At the moment we're in lockdown, but when this is all over and eventually, hopefully we can go back to some kind of normality, where is the first place you would go and what would you order? Mm, I think that it's very close to my house. It's Viva Madrid. It, it was actually a, a bar that has been around for a long time but it was just uh, renewed by Diego Cabrera, which is one of the most popular cocktail uh, barmans in Spain. Uh, but keeping the, the essence of what the bar was at a, at a time. And it's, it's modern, but it's classic. And I would definitely go there to drink one of the vermouths. Right now, for example, I'm in the mood for an Italian one. So I would drink Puntemes but they have all sorts of vermouths and a, on a long, long uh, vermouth list. So I'd definitely go there. And the other one I would definitely want to go would be Casa Camacho in Malasaña. Oh, yes, I know it. Yeah, classic. Classic. A little small, just a bar counter, uh, the brothers who are the waiters on the back. You also, in order to go to the bathroom, have to go do like a limbo under the bar. I love this. I think I remember the first time I went there, I thought, this place doesn't have a bathroom. This is strange. It took me ages to realise that you had to actually duck under the bar to go to the toilet. Yes, I've never gone to the bathroom because after just a couple of removes, it's dangerous. It's kind of a dangerous thing to do, that limbo. But I would go there, have a yayo, which is a vermouth side with gin, and order a plate of boquerones and vinagre, which is the uh, anchovies cured in vinegar and it just it would be the perfect the perfect plan yeah right that's a good compliment to a bermouth the bocorones in vinagre delicious <laughs> just thinking of being careful not to have too many bermouths in there because you could risk hitting your head on that on the bar there's one place where you will find laura del vermouth which is in mercado san miguel very touristy place but it also has some very good things and one of them is this this bar and I think that's the bar that has the most amount of different references of vermouth in Madrid. So go there, sip on some vermouth and try as or, and buy as much different bottles of vermouth you can. Yeah, definitely. I, I know the place. Yeah, it's quite touristy, but it's a good place to sample uh, a variety of different styles and flavors. And you can wander around the market as well with your vermouth in hand as well in the Mercado de San Miguel. Yeah, and once you try all the ones they have there... You can start going to the different bars in Madrid and from there you, you'll know everything. You'll, you'll be able to, to judge it's, every vermouth you drink. Paula, let's talk about La Bermuteria pop-up. 
But I think this is such a fantastic idea. I've only recently discovered it and I can't wait to come along to one of your future events. You're the co-founder. Am I right in saying it's like a mobile bar that hosts events connected with Vermouth, right? Yeah, everything started because my husband and I are big fans of Vermouth and we suddenly realized that everywhere in Madrid, you can only find what we were saying, the Vermouth on tap, which was usually when you started doing your research, the same brand. And there were no bottles of vermouth like the ones we were seeing in bars in Barcelona. And and we were we said, what can we do to bring those brands here to Madrid? And the first thing we thought of was a bar. Uh, we have no money for a bar. And started thinking, well, why don't we do pop-ups? Why don't we go to a bar that already exists and do a vermouth party with one of those vermouths? We started changing the brand. Uh, for each party so everyone all of our audience started to get to know different brands of vermouth and different bars also and at first it was very hard because you would go to a bar and you would say hey i want to do a vermouth party here they would be like okay okay what's what's (laughs) it for me but eventually they realized that we were bringing a lot of people it was fun also it was good publicity for them and for us after a year or so suddenly all of the brands started uh, noticing that all of these brands were already available in madrid so it was great to see how we started doing parties with them and eventually the market was open for them to actually sell in madrid so it was fun we tried to do also with maybe a party devoted to Negroni with a lot of which a lot of people didn't know we try to do also parties where people can come with kids which is very hard to find bars in Madrid where where there's room for for everyone now we're already thinking about the next party we're waiting to see how everything evolves to see how much people we will be able to invite where could we do it so but we definitely want to do something this summer uh, because I think we all want to have fun, drink vermouth, and just see friends and family. We'll be announcing the next place and the next brand as soon as we know, and we'll do we'll do it through our social media. So basically, you know, through the Bermuteria pop-up, you are showcasing brands of vermouth that people may not know, may not be familiar with. Are there a lot of uh, small batch vermouth brands in Madrid at the moment, more artisanal styles? No, I think the most common ones would be uh, the ones that have been around for a long time and then they distribute for to a lot of the bars in Madrid, actually. So it's still the crafty scene of vermouth is not very common with Madrid producers yet. I actually don't know why this is the case. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? The Why? I mean, maybe it's just because of the heritage is more deeply connected to Catalonia and more than Madrid. As we were saying, maybe they think that in Madrid, that tradition is more linked to old school consumers. And maybe the, the younger generation will buy their vermouths, but it's not... Not economically viable, right. Yeah, that could be the reason. I hope that the scene continues to evolve and that we do see more uh, Madrid producers and local producers coming up with their own uh, take on vermouth at some point in the future. But I mean, congratulations on La Bermuda. Uh, pop up. I um, look forward to, to joining you guys hopefully in the summer, your next event. You have to come in the next one we do. Paula, thank you so much for joining the When in Spain podcast. No, thank you.
You're listening to the When in Spain podcast. That was me interviewing Paula Mobile, talking all about Bermuda. If you'd like to check out La Bermuteria pop-up, head across to their website. Hopefully, when things start getting back to normal uh, come the summer and they start hosting events again, if you're in Madrid, the website you need to find out about their events is La Bermuteria dot wordpress.com and you can also find them on social media go and search la bermuteria pop-up on instagram uh, la bermuteria pop-up on facebook and they're also on twitter as well go and check them out if you're in madrid in the future uh, go and check out the events that they run and to those listeners who have never been to spain before but are planning a trip in the future uh, when uh, when people can travel again uh, or if you have been to Spain before but you've never tried vermouth please go into a bar and order yourself a glass of vermouth uh, be interested to see what you guys think uh, leave a comment in the Facebook group or on the Instagram I'll be posting uh, about vermouth in there as well I'd be really intrigued to know how many of you guys listeners like vermouth or not or how many of you maybe have never tried it but would like to just a quick reminder before i go if you do enjoy this podcast uh, please do consider signing up to become a when in spain patron uh, to support the podcast to keep it going into the future and to support the work that i do in putting it together i will be eternally grateful and if you would like to support this independent podcast head across to patreon.com forward slash when in spain please leave a review on facebook or on the podcast platforms where you listen to and come and follow me on instagram as well when in spain one coming up in the next episode of another fantastic guest an author who's written books about food in spain and uh, who lives off grid on a farm in extremadura we're going to be talking about living off grid in spain he's going to be sharing his story about uh, setting up and running his own farm growing his own olives producing his own wine growing his own produce and we're also going to be talking about Extremadura the forgotten region of Spain in some detail as well so join us next time for that episode until then pa arriba pa abajo pa centro y pa dentro chin chin hasta luego